Wild Wild World listeners, listen, there's a creative wave moving through the Chicagoland area. Secure the bag, secure your belongings, secure your purpose. Discover your story with Only, spelled O-N-L-I. Only is a budding startup providing unique backpacks and athleisure to meet the modern fit. Check them out. Visit onlypacks.com or only underscore shy on Instagram for more information. Does I have a dream? Yeah. Yeah. Staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. The ballot or the book is to either ignore them or, or to deny them. Uh, and we stand together to win the war. What up, world? This is another episode of the Wild Wild World Show. Welcome back. We're back in your earwaves. Uh, we got a great episode for you today. We had a great opportunity, Kellen and I, to uh, interview Sharon Cooper, who many of you might know as one of the surviving sisters of Sandra Bland, who was killed by police brutality back in 2015. Uh, she's also a great thought leader in social, cultural issues. Um, and walking with Jesus, walking with justice. So we had a great time uh, interviewing with her. We got to talk a lot about um, some of the things that went on with the documentary that got released by HBO that she had great help in producing called Say Her Name, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland. That should be coming back to HBO rotation soon. If you didn't get to catch it already, you need to watch it. Um, we also got to talk a lot about uh, seeking justice in situations of police brutality and walking with families as they mourn. She gave great insight and wisdom into this and into the situation with her sister, Sandra. Um, we also got a great opportunity to go into other things. We talked a little bit about our Kelly Gillette ad, some of those things we talked about in last week's episode. Um, and we wanted to do a normal intro, do it's crazy out here and all that, but the talk was so good that we had to keep going. So it went a little long. So we decided to cut this intro short and just drop you guys the interview. So, um, make sure you listen all the way through a lot of good wisdom, especially for those who are seeking justice in this world. So, uh, thank you again, Sharon Cooper for the interview and y'all be ready for it. Wild, wild world is the interview. Enjoy. Thank you once again, Wild Wild World listeners, for being here with us. We appreciate all of uh, you fine people here for, for continuing to check us out. We have a really special uh, treat for you here uh, today. We're joined by a very, very, very special guest uh, who goes by the name of Sharon Cooper. Uh, Sharon has uh, been... Uh, you know, in the news, on the television, uh, all over the place uh, over the last few years, um, you know, for unfortunate circumstances, but has been fighting for justice uh, for her sister, sister, I'm sorry, uh, Sandra Bland. Um, you should know her name because we've been saying her name uh, for the last few years. Mm -hmm. uh, Sandra Bland, uh, who unfortunately um, uh, passed away in an untimely manner. Uh, back in July of 2015 uh, in Waller County, Texas. Uh, it was national news, national headlines. Uh, so if you, if you are not familiar with the story, I encourage you to you know, pause this real quick and, and do some reading because Sandra Bland is a name that you need to know. You should not forget. Um, recently, 
uh, Sharon was involved in the making of Say Her Name, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland, a documentary uh, about uh, Sandra or Sandy uh, as her family uh, affectionately calls her. Uh, that aired on HBO. So, you know, this is this is major moves here. And so we want to welcome Sharon to the show. Sharon, thank you so, so much for being with us today. How are you? Helen, thank you for having me. And thanks for the very, very robust introduction. You've done your research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, just a little bit. You know, I, I did not tell the people that, you know, you and I do go way, way, way back, all the way back to uh, DePaul University days, you know, Blue Demons in the building. You know, throw it up. Uh, where, where did you go to school? What, what was y'all mascot? Um, it was a yellow jacket. I don't even know, man. It was a teen teen Bible college, man. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry for throwing that one your way. My bad. Nah, that's all right, man. <laughs> all right, but any, but Sharon, thank seriously. We we do appreciate uh, you being here. We thank you for your time. Um, and you know, really, just want to start off real quick because you know the big thing that is going on right now is you know uh, about a month back, uh, the uh, the documentary uh, was finally aired on HBO. So just wanted to just kind of in general ask you just kind of what that process was like going through and getting that uh, aired on you know such a major station. You know what? It's really um, it's really cathartic. I would say you know I think um, so the big question that people have always asked us um, and continue to ask us is how did you make the decision to film such a very private, such a very tragic and very um, hurtful moment? Right. So one of the things that I share with people is that what I've learned through this process is that narrative control is very important mm. in today's world. I think that it's important mm. in the African-American community. I think that if we even think about it on a broader level, when we think about our current um, administration um, in the government right now, and when we think about this whole um, notion of alternative facts, right, and fake news, right. what, what we learned, my family, very early on throughout this process was if we didn't utilize our voice to speak up and talk to the world about not only who Sandy was to us, but who she was to our community and what mm -hmm. happened to her based off of what we came to learn, um, that we ran the risk of being written out of the story. And so mm -hmm. we were so fortunate to have the partnership of HBO for them to come to us um, and present themselves and say, you know what, we really think that there's a story here because Sandy really uh, did us a solid and left us a digital footprint behind in mm. her Sandy Speaks videos that she recorded just on her phone by posting to Facebook to really talk about some of the things that mattered to her. So it was cathartic in a sense, for sure. Um, mm. You know, you feel this sense of, um, you know, there will never be wholeness there. Um, and, and for your listeners who haven't watched the documentary, I don't want to spill it, you know, spoil Please it for too much. But there's definitely um, people walk away with more questions than they do have answers. And so it mm -hmm. takes the world a little bit inside of what our family experience has been like for the last three and a half years. But what it also does to what I, I hope that it does and what my family hopes that it does is that it brings a level of inspiration um, and hopefulness to a generation of people who think for whatever reason that if they speak up, that they, you know, sometimes people think that if you speak up that that's not enough to incite change. But mm -hmm. that's what that is what started Sandy Speaks, which was Sandy's online blog in the first place. Right. So I do still, every single day that I have a moment to steal away and think about it, I really am in awe of her willingness to do something unpopular and that made people mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable and that she was just like calling people out 
<laughs> right, right. Right. And being unapologetic about it. Right. And the fact that even almost uh, four years later, because it'll be four years this year since she passed away, even almost four years later, she's demanding not only to be seen, but to be heard well beyond the time that she was here physically on the earth. And I take a lot of pride in that, especially as one of her big sisters. So it's mm. been a, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, that's I mean, one of the things that I appreciated you talked about this about controlling the narrative one of the things i really appreciate about the documentary was the humanization of sandra i feel like a lot of like you know there's so many names that get tied to justice movements and police brutality and then they just become names to people from the outside looking in and not they're disconnected from the people so i really appreciated that about the narrative so with that i mean would it be what would you say are the the big key things you would want people to know about sandra as the person Oh my gosh, you like totally hit the nail on the head, Will, because it's it's one of the primary reasons that we decided to do the documentary. Uh, one of the things that we learned and experienced very early on was mm. that we could sit with a reporter and have a really robust conversation with them. And based off mm. of what it is that they felt fit their narrative, whatever they decided to cut and splice and leave a better word on the cutting room floor it wasn't necessarily always the image that we had communicated and it wasn't the sandy that we experienced right Mm -hmm. and so we tell people all the time that people should really do their due diligence and peel back the layers of the stories of people that are behind these irreversible hashtags because they are so much more than how you came to meet them in the media presence. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I'm so glad that you've seen the documentary, I can tell <laughs> based off of the way that you're talking about it. You know, what you'll learn is that Sandy was, um, she was somebody's daughter, of course. She was somebody's aunt. She was somebody's sister. You know, she had 10 nieces and nephews at the time that she passed away, even since she passed away, we both we welcomed another niece to the family, right? And that's been in the sense that there's this one niece who will never know her or have any concept of her other than the memory of the documentary through pictures and things like that. Right. So just helping people understand that the reason that police brutality and state-sanctioned violence is such an issue, because in some instances, it feels just like it feels like all-out genocide towards a community. It feels like genocide towards a particular community, towards a particular swath of people who look the same and who show up in in society, you know, bearing some similar characteristics. Um, And so what, what I want people to understand is that she was so much more to us than this hashtag that she's become to the world. And I think that the, that the narrative and the positive spin that, that's been put on it through the documentary, through shows like yours and Kellen's and other people who are really at the grassroots level continue to say her name. I think that paradigm has shifted, but it's always important to remember that before you met these folks in your homes on your silver screen, that they were people Mm-hmm. They were part of institutions, you know, so many of our church members um, back at our uh, church home um, at the time, which was DuPage AME Church, we grew up there. We grew up there. And so this impacted an entire community of churchgoers It impacted people who she went to school with because she was um, and is um, an alumni of Prairie View A&M, which is rooted in uh, Prairie View, Texas. So just this cascading impact and this domino effect that state-sanctioned violence has on communities. And I know that we're suffering from what I call 
um, outrage fatigue, right? We see it so much on the news and we become yes. numb to it. Yeah. And so it is my intent and it's our intent and in always speaking up to encourage people to get to know the people behind the headlines. Because when you do, you'll find that you have much more in common with them than you know. And that's where your level of outrage should come from because you have to think about how would I feel if it were me? If it were my yeah. Mm. And, 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 you know, what's amazing to me about, you know, tying into what all you said, you know, after finishing watching the documentary, you know, as heart wrenching as all of it was, you know, the feeling I had at the end of it wasn't anger, you know, or frustration. I think the feeling was on some level encouragement. Mm-hmm. to do something. And I think that's because it was so, so peppered so much with, with Sandy's own words and, you know, her words of encouragement, her words of, you know, say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm for justice. I'm for right. But, you know, you know, black people, white people are for unity, you know, and, so, and there's so much talk about unity and, and those sorts of things, you know, all throughout that that's, you know, kind of the lasting feeling you have is that you're here, you're feeling her words and, you know, her perspective on the world as opposed to only feeling, you know, that kind of oppressive feeling. And, you know, you get that because it's a, it's a screwed up situation, you know, but you got, I think, you know, it did just an excellent job of just making sure that she was just kind of vibrant throughout the entire thing, giving, you know, as much as you can. And then, you know, I want to have documentary giving, you know, just like you said, that kind of full picture of who she was and what she stood for. Um, that, you know, made it, you know, much more than just, you know, kind of a glorified news article like some documentaries can be. Um, right, so right. I really and I appreciate too, what it does, Kellen, is it shows this, um, you know, the fact that how social media can be a gift and a curse, right? I know we talk right. about it yeah. all the time. It's something that's in the atmosphere. We talk about the impact of Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram on the um, social conversations that we're having in the country mm-hmm. right now. And I always think it's important to help people understand that like, for me and, and, and my family, social media is um, a huge part of why this documentary was, was able to be made the way in which it was, right? right. Because you take these spices of all of these videos that she recorded over like a span of seven months. It wasn't even that long. She recorded these videos over a span of seven months, posted it out there on Facebook, got a lot of feedback. And even sometimes when she got feedback that wasn't favorable because people weren't ways to be woke, right? She still mm-hmm. kept kept on chewing and kept doing what she was doing. Right. So I like to tell people to be encouraged in their use of social media and more most importantly, be strategically intentional about how you use your social media. I right. think that people don't realize that there is a way to utilize it for social good. And when you do that, and that is one of the things that a lot of people are and I think that's what we're not used to that because we're used to, you know, major corporations and them kind of operating on like a 20th century corporate shell, if you will. Right. Tech companies, specifically those that are social media companies, that's not their focus. Their focus is to really bring about a level of social good in the world because they have a platform that I don't even think that they anticipated would rise to the level of importance that it does in today's public discourse around what it means to be civil towards one another, about what it means to treat each other with respect, about what it means to capture experiences between citizens of color and from underrepresented communities and their interactions with law enforcement. Like, none of that would be possible without social media. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you say that. I mean, so much of our, even our conversation here on the show a lot of times just, you know, kind of centers around social media because we're talking about an event. But oftentimes what interests me is the, you know, not, you know, whatever happens in the news that, that particular week, but it's the response to it. And, you know, it's the reaction to it and how you see people on social media and you see hive minds and, and that sort of thing. Or even sometimes, one, you know, a very small group of people will you know, get out there and say something or, or hold an opinion and the entire world seems to erupt, you know, <laughs> disagreeing or whatever. So that oftentimes is more interesting and more intriguing um, than even the particular event that we're, that we're talking about. But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously in these cases, it, it's also being used to draw a lot of attention. Uh, I mean, shoot the Philando Castile situation. Um, I shouldn't say situation. I should say murder. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I mean, I saw it on a, on a Facebook video. I don't know if it was live. I don't remember if it was live. At the time. So it's my understanding and, and believe it or not. And I'm, I mean, what we're talking about, I think that was now, um, that was, that was 2016, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 2016. So, so here's the thing. I haven't even seen it. Hmm. Don't blame you. Let me tell you, I have not seen it because um, I distinctly remember that it happened within days. It was it, it happened very much around the time that um, Sandy's one year anniversary was coming up. So I was already hmm. my feelings about that. And then when I started to hear what what was captured on the Facebook Live, I was like, I can't because yeah. of self care. But to your point, to your point, the reason why there was so much public yeah. outrage and why this is just completely unacceptable is because it shows, right, what what Black people are talking about is very real in terms of the very real trauma that they are experiencing mm-hmm. while living while living while Black in America, right? Right. This is, you know, a digital a digital snapshot, if you will, of like what what the experience feels like, and so I just even to this day. And I remember somebody, you know, putting a post out there saying like, you know, um, do yourself a favor and don't watch this because it's so traumatizing. It's so Mm -hmm. very traumatizing. So on one hand, you know, it's traumatizing, but then there's a part of you that, um, for lack of a better better word, I don't mean this to sound insensitive, but you feel grateful that it was captured because had it not been captured, who knows what the the story would be that the police officer would, what his official account would be based off of what he writes in his report and also too unfortunately how other officers co-sign with each other on these on these types of situations so yeah as as you know we saw with Sandy's situation what the officers you know said happened <laughs> versus you know what the what was clearly there on the video um right, right. I, I gotta stop because I will, I will go down those paths and, and get upset and I'm you know and I'm I'm just me so I can imagine um, you don't want to get turned up <laughs> right right because I mean see like seeing the the Philando Castile thing when I did I mean the visceral effect it had on me I like I remember I, I'm not a outwardly emotional person and I don't say that like to be manly or whatever like I'm just typically not um, but I just remember the way that that made me feel and mm-hmm. you know that's not a place that any of us um want to be and, and you're right that played a large role into you know um the movements around him and I, I and I was going to say previously I mean kind of going back to um what you said initially about kind of taking the narrative with regards to Sandy I think um 
you know, for the unfortunate, uh, unfortunately large number of incidents that we've had uh, here, you know, over the past few years with police violence and, and, and whatnot, um, you know, with, with, with Sandy, I mean, I think you guys did just a great job of making her, like you said, so a real person and not just a name. And, and we feel like we know her a bit. We feel like we have an understanding of who she was beyond, um, you know, just being a victim. Um, and I think, you know, I look back and all, all the other names that go through my head and we don't necessarily always have that. And so, you know, you guys as a family, um, and it's, you know, I don't know if I'm, I was going to say I commend you. I, I don't know how to, you know, how to phrase it in a way that's tasteful and tactful, but you guys did a great job of making sure that, you know, who she was was captured. And, you know, we hear all the time, like, oh, well, if someone, you know, you hear from the, the naysayers on the other side of the aisle that, oh, well, if they would have just done this, then this wouldn't happen. Or if they wouldn't have done that, then this wouldn't happen. Or, you know, maybe this person is just, you know, they just, you know, they throw all this nonsense out. Right. And they can do that because they don't see them as real people, you know? And so seeing as a real person. Kellen, I think you make an excellent point. I think what that type of rhetoric is colored by is also to the historical context upon which mm. race is built in this country. And in mm. this notion, right, that mm -hmm. um, black, and brown, black and brown bodies are meant to be policed. They're, right. police, they're overly and excessively policed. If we look at the ratio of police that are put in black and brown communities, underserved mm -hmm. communities, versus that of their white counterparts. It's just vastly different, right? Right. Super different. And so one of the things that I also like to speak to is like two things that you were talking about there. So I definitely want to touch on the point of um, not knowing a lot about what happens is when we see families um, do what I call fade to black, right? There mm -hmm. are, let me tell you, this grief is inexplicable. I am telling you, it is it is unmatched. And so when you think about losing somebody that you love so deeply and then having that plastered all across the news, mm -hmm. all across the news, and then you're trying to engage in the very real throes of grief, but also too, trying to submit um, the life of your loved one and making sure that people know that is not true. It's, she is not all of what, you know, they said she was. I literally just told someone the other day that when there is a crisis happening, I don't know any other way to be but to go and to get things done. Get things mm -hmm. done and, and, and to channel my inner Olivia Pope, as I say. <laughs> so that's a lot of what has transpired over the last three and a half years. Yeah. But even in that, right, that means that I didn't take care of myself at the outset and my grief the way that I should have, and, and I yeah. changed course um, almost about a year in, and I'm so glad I did. So, so to that end, I would say, if you are interested in learning more about um, the people behind the hashtags, one of the things that I recommend to people, and it's such a simple, it's such a simple ask. What I tell people is, any pictures that the family puts out or the family attorney puts out that uplifts the person in a positive light. Utilize those images. Don't mm. utilize the images that the media puts yeah. out you yeah. because invariably those those images aren't meant to be on the positive side. You know, they're meant to criminalize the individual. So so much of what we ingest when it comes to violence against black and brown bodies is through the lens of a white narrative. Right. I'm very honest. And so that narrative is not always one that's positive, right? And if it's not 
a white narrative is through an, an, a narrative that's influenced by the media that kind of like drives forward and supports ongoing stereotypes that's from years mm-hmm. and years and years ago. Yeah, Trayvon Martin pops to mind. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Now there are there are a bunch of pictures that I've seen of Trayvon Martin over the years that are super positive pictures. And so I consciously make a decision to choose those pictures, right? It's like right. people with Sandy's case, I think Sandy, without a shadow of a doubt, the most infamous p- picture I feel that's out there of her is this mugshot photo. And, and I legit, I legit, I'm an individual person. I have 24 hours in the day like everybody else. Every now and then, if I see someone on social media has posted that, I reach out to them and I say, you know what? Thank you so much for supporting Sandy's story. I'm one of her surviving sisters and let me help you understand how you can be an agent of social change. And the way that you mm-hmm. can do that is uplifting positive And so right. to that end, don't use that photo, but let me give you another photo to use. And you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at the reception of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of intentionally trying to figure out and peel back the layers um, right. about that particular individual and celebrating their life as opposed to being rooted and, you know, so focused on how they die, because I think that's what we tend to do. Right. And I don't believe that it's intentional. It's just that, that that's the way that the people come into our homes. And then I think yeah. in terms of, it's so in- interesting to me, I often refer to it as the victim, um, the victim blaming discourse, the fact that people engage in, you know, if, if he or she had done X, Y, and Z, then they'd be alive. And I think that stories like Philando Castillo, they show us different, you know? I think that stories like, um, and I know it's not necessarily a police brutality story, but you know, you think about the parishioners in Charleston, South Carolina, who were at Bible study. They were at Bible study when, when a gunman came in and targeted them, really like won their trust, curry and favor and targeted them because of the color of their skin, right? There's like so many, there's so many examples of things of black and brown, you know, bodies being over-policed. And so I think that instead of people engaging in this, well, if, if she, if he or she that's done, you know, you have to flip the, you have to flip the script and you have to say, what is it that those who are sworn to serve and protect, what is it that they should be doing differently? And what should we be doing differently as a broader you know, like ecosystem, right? Like the whole system has to be um, shut. It has to be torn down and rebuilt. And I yeah. know that it is a tall order, but it's people it's like, like Sandy, like, like, like people who are spearheading the Women's March, you know, like some of the more, um, and I shouldn't say some of the more, um, the grassroots activists, the, the notable people who are out there who are speaking truths of power, like that's where the change occurs and that's where it's going to start. And little by little, we're chipping away at this system that is just, it wasn't designed for us. And so it doesn't work for us, you know? No, that's good. I, I think with that, um, could you say a little bit more how you're talking about spreading the these uh, correct, these positive images that come from the family as opposed to the media? Would there be any other advice you would give to people that are looking from the outside that, want to help seek justice but right. don't really know how to how to do that well and how to care for the family well um would do you have any other advice maybe i think that that's key that first one is mm-hmm. using the right images uh, would you have anything else to add to that yes you know what when i reflect back on our experience and what still keeps me motivated and going to this day 
You know, there was a, um, no, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you. Um, about a week into the whole ordeal with my sister, I mean, I literally, she died on a Monday. Um, and on a Wednesday, her story had made local news. And then by Thursday, it was national. So that, I mean, we're talking about an accelerated period of time. Right. And I distinctly remember um, a woman who, I won't like say her name because I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, disrespect her. You know, I would want to protect her privacy in that way. But basically, this woman, she lived in the Chicago area. And I don't know, oh, she had sent a card to either my church or to the attorney. She literally had looked up like who was representing us and she got us information that way. And it was just such a thoughtful card. She basically said that like, I just wanted you to know that I've been following this story and I think that it is absolutely, you know, absurd what happened to your sister. And I just want you to know that you have people here in Chicago that support you and that stand behind you. And so we received a lot of that over the last couple of years, especially a lot during the case. Um, a, a ton of um, positive, you know, feedback and posting on social media um, and things of that nature. So, I would say, you know, if you're really passionate about one of these stories, I mean, families have gotten themselves into positions much quicker where when this thing, happen, when this thing happens, they obtain um, legal counsel extremely quickly. Hmm. And so I would just encourage people, look, Google is your friend, okay? The internet is your friend. Find out who's representing these families. Find out who's representing these families and sit down and just write them an encouraging note. I can't, mm-hmm. I have uh, boxes, boxes, legit, like two full boxes of oh, correspondence wow. from over the years that people have sent. And it is so heartwarming. Those are the things that kept me going. This one note that this woman sent to the attorney's family, I carried it around in a notebook with me for like, a year and a half, like the whole duration of the case. Because whenever I would get down, I would read this note. And like, that's how I am. I'm a small, I'm a small person like that person. Like I'm very big on, on gratitude and expressions of empathy. I think also too, understanding from um, if you're able and have the capability to understanding how a a donation, big or small, could have an impact on the family. I think that we live in this time where we um, don't we don't allow people to live their lives judgment free, right? So a lot of what you'll hear when families are impacted by police violence and state-sanctioned violence is they get raked through, and it's really unfortunate, they get raked through the coals. People start to pick apart their lives. And to Kevin's earlier point, start to talk about, well, what's your family history like? And what have you could, could have done to avoid this? What, pray tell, could Philando Castillo have done differently? He expressed what he was reaching for. He expressed that he had a conceal and carry license. Like, and he still died, right? He started picking up uh, his girlfriend's life. Stop. Yeah. Yeah girlfriend's life right so it's like mm-hmm. from a compensatory perspective if you behind a cause like support that cause even if it's just you know sometimes we would have people because we had a GoFundMe set up sometimes we would have people who would donate five or ten dollars and they would say you know what I wish I could give you more but that's all I have to give I'm telling you we used to take turns as a family we used to get up early in the morning sometimes and just go through the GoFundMe and just send people thank you messages because like you want people to know that like their outreach is important and means a great deal. Like that's super important. And also too, you know, lobby your state legislatures where you are when incidents like this happen and show that you are outraged. Because I tell you what, the consistent outrage that communities exhibit goes a long way towards impacting, you know, the particular verdict or 
or justice that will come out of a situation. So there's so many different things that people can do. And I think more than anything, and I know it's hard because we go back to our lives, but more than anything, not forgetting that person, but the cameras move on to the next um, sensational story of the week. Right. That, that definitely is something that keeps the family going is having enough attention for people to care about the loss of their loved one. So yeah. those, I, I feel, are the very real practical things that people can do to yeah. support families that go through this. But I want to, like, you know, level it up to, like, a broader conversation around, you know, I, I know people feel like we're living in this very divisive time in this country. And I feel, I feel that way just based off of, like, and in, in all of my and all of my youth, <laughs> I just never thought we'd be living in the times that we are. And I and I think it's because I foolishly thought that we had figured that out as a society, or that we were much further than we are. But you know, yeah. unfortunately, I don't think that that's the case. And so yeah. I think it's a matter of aligning yourself to within reason, right? Things right. that don't make you feel weighed down, but aligning yourself with some organizations that are really passionate about the causes that you stand behind on behalf of those who may be voiceless and figuring out a way to amplify their message, whether it's through posting, whether it's through making contributions, um, or whether it's through volunteering, honestly, because again, I genuinely feel like that change doesn't, it doesn't start at the White, white House. I think it starts at the grassroots level. Mm. Yeah, that's really super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, you know, what she said, I think the, the message that kind of permeated throughout that was, you know, those are real human elements, you know, the, the human contact, the expressions of, of care and support, you know, that actually matter. And, you know, in this kind of social media world, as you mentioned, you know, that, you know, even if it's not face to face, but that, you know, actual personal touch of writing a letter or writing a note or, you know, donating what you can even with a note, like, that just kind of kind of struck me as, you know, that human the humanity man mm -hmm. uh, matters. But, um, so oh, and one thing, another thing I don't want to be remiss to say, and I always tell people to grant um, families that come into into your home through the silver screen, grant mm -hmm. them the same amount of grace and mercy that you would expect someone to grant you if mm -hmm. you were going through the situation. Let me tell y'all, internet trolls are real. Man. They are real. Yeah. It is more than a notion to, to keep your sanity and your gumption about you when you're going through a very public ordeal and a very public traumatic loss. And so, again, I, I don't, um, again, that, that blessing and curse of social media for, for the very real community that it allows you to build and the connectivity and the bridge that it allows you to build it also gives some people, not all, because I don't think that all people on social media platforms are bad actors, but it does give some people the opportunity to behave in a way that they wouldn't normally behave if they were face-to-face. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of being conscious about the way that you show up online and know that you don't know who's watching. I mean, I genuinely believe, and it was earlier on in Sandy's case, there was a lot of a lot of online discussion and of course that was renewed with the release of the documentary and yeah. hashtag self-care stay out those comments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't i don't read every single comment and i also don't respond to every single comment because i tell people all the time it is not what you ingest it's how you respond to it and every single every single reaction or post um 
or comment doesn't require a reaction. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Took me a long time to to, to learn that lesson <laughs> on the oh, internet. Wow. And some people kind of Helen was that Facebook fighter. He was out <laughs> every kind of in the pit. So you was gonna hear my truth. <laughs> Helen, I, let me tell you, and I have to. I have a really good friend from college, and he said this to me a while ago. You know, those I call them the internet gangsters. They are people who are like bumping their guns on their keys, about to break their keyboard. But the minute that you, you know, identify yourself, I mean, I'm just going to use myself for example. Every now and then, every now and then, not all the time, because I don't think that it's wise for me to put myself out there in that way. But every now and then, there will be a troll who I just think is super inappropriate, is relentless. And so I identify myself. Mm-hmm. I say, you know what? You know what? There was actually, I'll give you an example. There was a gentleman from somewhere in Texas who um, had posted something about Sandy around like this past holiday season. Mm-hmm. And basically what um, he posted was um, he was attacking um, our family and also too just being like, you know, nobody cared about her and basically, basically saying that she deserved to die, right? And so I, I normally, I know, I normally wouldn't respond. And so I actually sent him a personal message. I sent him a personal message on social media. And I said to him, because he had a picture up of him and his family. And I said, hi, so-and-so, my name is Sharon Cooper. And I'm one of Sandra Bland's surviving sisters. And I just wanted to basically let you know that your comment about uh, my sister was very insensitive. Took the opportunity to educate him because I, I really don't think that he'd seen the documentary. And I told him, I said, as you prepare to spend the holiday season with your family and my family has one seat empty at the table, as well as the scores of families around the U.S. who are experiencing this, I really hope that you'll turn your hate into purpose and that you'll align yourself with the message that's bigger than yourself in 2019. Have a blessed day. And then I blocked him. (laughs) (laughs) Hit him with a block. So... (laughs) You know, I just think sometimes you have to channel, Kellen, your forever floatus who says, like, when people go low, you, you got to go high. I know sometimes, sometimes it's hard to go high. I know. <laughs> but it's just, it's necessary because, unfortunately, we are um, being, being led blindly in this country right now from a political mm-hmm. perspective. And so I think yep. that we have to... We have to channel what is very deep within ourselves that, it, that we didn't even realize existed to yeah. change the course of what it means to be um, to be an American in a country based off of the ideals that we have in mind, right? Because this ain't it. Right, right. We all know that. Right. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, no, nah, look, you a good one for, for the block, you know? <laughs> That's great. Right? It's at the end of the day. It's my way of letting letting him know or someone like him or, or her, because I've, you know, a tons of online attacks all the time. Just letting people know. I mean, we had a situation with a on, on Instagram once that was um, doing very similar behavior. And the minute, the minute I identified myself, they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean all of what you said. No, you meant what you said. You meant what you said. You just weren't expecting to get the type of response that you received from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get caught. No, and so I just encourage people. There are, again, so many people in a person's village who are impacted by their unexpected loss that you never know who's online reading things. And you just need to be, um, you know, it's not about 
I want to be clear. I don't mean to be careful to the point where you are, are covert and covering up what it is that you actually really think. You mm. just need to do it with a level of decency and respect that I think is, is missing, uh, specifically for those who, you know, have opposing views to how something went down. You just have to remember, you know, there are a lot of people. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, Facebook hit 2 billion users. There are a lot of people on that platform. And right. people don't fly away from that platform once they leave the platform because what? That's how they get their information. That's how mm. they get their information. So right. I'm just now telling, I, I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you guys. I wasn't always this um, well behaved. <laughs> the, the first year or two, I, I've taken my hiatus and things like that. Understand. I'm super. I'm about my own life. No, no, that's understandable. And you, you mentioned decency and respect. I'm like, you know, that might as might as well be ancient Greek these days. Like, I don't know what those words mean. Nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 not what we are these days. We we yeah. in pop off pop off at the mouth. Well, not the mouth. The pop time. off with the fingers. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Including my president, he pop off on the fingers. <laughs> right. Your president, that's not my president. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, hey, the the elected. <laughs> the yes, elected. I'm, I'm stuck in 2008 to 2016. I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't hey, you can't. know, you know, Will and I at one point had to go on a, a Trump hiatus. We were like, look, man, we can't be up here every week talking about Trump. <laughs> We can't, we can't do it every week on the show. We had to, but every week there was something so stupid and so crazy. We felt like we had to say something about it. It was just. It is. And you know, and I've even had to tell myself too, right? It's to not even be desensitized to that level of crazy. Because I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm really worried. I'm mm. so, so worried about him completing another term. Like, I'm not, listen, y'all, I'm not going to make it. I'm moving. I'm moving across the pond. I'm going, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to go live in London for a couple of years. I know they don't have it all figured out, but I can't. I can't. They, they don't even know. They don't even know what uh what union they trying to be in. <laughs> right. I know. They, they need to figure that out. I know. Yeah. Hey, while we on the while we're on these current uh, current events, uh, <laughs> what about the surviving R. Kelly? I know you. We talked a little bit before. Any some thoughts on that? So I have these things called Sharonisms, and, and this is one of my Sharonisms. Okay. Listen, okay, this is just, I will be transparent. I have not watched it. Um, the general feedback that I've seen and, and I've read some things, you know, is that I've heard it's really hard to watch. I've heard that it's mm. extremely hard to watch. Have either one of you watched it already? Yes. No, I watched, the, I watched the Boondocks 10 years ago and I just saw it. I, I was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that did kind of break it down. But no, nah, I watched the first two episodes. Now, and what, like, now what's I was, not even watching the rest? I was feeling heavy. Like, it, uh, it, it just had me feeling heavy. And partially, too, because I'm like, I, I'm i not saying I know all of this, right? But, you know, it was, what, a year ago when the article came out um, right. with I mean, the one lady? Been like a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, there, there's been a few iterations of yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and he's you know locking the family can't find her. So um, I'm like, okay, they're gonna start going into that, and then they're gonna start going to the trial. And I, it, 
I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to make myself watch the rest of it. At first, I was just not going to watch it at all. I was going to, you know, I was like, I have no interest. And I was a little irritated. I'm like, why is Lifetime doing this? And I was like, yo, the culture got to take it down. I was like, all right, let me check it out. And I'm going to I'm gonna watch it. It just had me feeling a bit heavy. It's like it's like when I watched the movie City of God. Like, the dopest movie ever, but I can't watch it multiple times because it's just too heavy, right? So I'm like, I flipped through Netflix. I'm like, City of God, it's a great movie. I'm not watching it. You know, so it's this, it's that kind of thing. But these are real people. You just, yeah. Through two episodes, I've already, you see multiple people whose lives were ruined by this man, or at least severely right. damaged, you know, right. already. And I know there's more to come. And so yeah. it's, it's just hard. I feel, you know, I feel, I, I do know, I agree with you, Tony. I feel like I know I need to watch it at some point again to be able to speak intelligently to it. And from the feedback that I perceive, I know I need to parse it out. I, yeah. You know, people tell me don't sit down and watch it in one sitting because it's just not a good idea. Nah. What it, um, what hurts the most, I think, is um, people don't understand the amount of courage that it takes for people to relive trauma and to tell their stories, right? So, so that's a part of it. And also, too, I think what is um, heartbreaking and gut-wrenching gut is the online response, right? Um, I don't know if you guys uh, are aware of this, but there was a Facebook page that was erected after the film called um, Surviving the Lies of R. Kelly. Um, like, like um, basically, it was a page refuting the film, and Facebook took it down immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just this whole, this whole swath of people who will say, in spite of, mm-hmm. in spite of all of the evidence that lies before me, I'm still going to support this man. I'm still going to promote him. I mean, I swiped R. Kelly, R. Kelly's music from my mobile devices and all that years ago because mm-hmm. I just don't want to be supportive of him in that way. And right. so it, again, rises, you know, it raises the question of there are people in this world, even despite the black and brown bodies that our men live in, Someone is still out them out there on the front line, standing up for them, speaking up for them, and protecting them. And so then, then the question becomes: Who's going to protect her? Right. Who's going to protect that young girl? And and, and regardless of her gender, right? But who's going to protect that young girl who's being taken advantage of? Who's going to protect that young girl who maybe because of her home life situation was pulled into something that she's now very much trying to get out of. And just because he has a perceived stature in society, we're going to protect him. A friend of mine posted an excellent post on um, Facebook and and she literally said, it said it takes a village to protect a predator. And it was just so spot on. I was like, yes. And and that's so I, that's I'm just trying to figure out when are we going to rise to the occasion and be the village that we should be, as opposed to engaging in the pomp and circumstance because we like his music, because we think that he's a cold song songwriter or an excellent excellent lyricist. I mean, the challenge that I've had with R. Kelly over the years, personally, in addition to all of my concerns about him being a sexual predator is if you sit down and you listen to his music long enough, and I understand we're all grown folks. I'm assuming there's a lot of grown folks listening. I just don't need to be that intimately involved in all of what you got going on in your bedroom. I don't. And so I feel like if you're singing in, in that level of detail, you know, it gets to a point. I mean, anytime I listen, anytime I did listen to his music, um, especially in recent years, I'm like, I did not realize 
how much how much of this is soft, borderline hard porn. Like it's just it's too much. It's yes. too much. He definitely a bit. He he's always been a bit out there. And, you know that's you know that's that's the thing. And you know if I can be you know like hamburger rapper transparent, you know at the moment, like that that's you know that's kind of been my struggle if I say if I can even say struggle with mm-hmm. this like I remember back in, in college back in whatever that whenever that was oh three four five six whatever it was you know <laughs> when when Chappelle came out and, 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 and roasted R. Kelly when the trial came out I, I remember being you know in college at DePaul University in the city of Chicago arguing with people about how, how trash R. Kelly is because you know once I moved to Chicago and people started calling me Kells all the time you know and I used to be like don't call me Kells I ain't no child rapist you know what I mean like I used to say this all the time, and right. I remember hearing stories from from some of my classmates that was from Chicago. Very real story, especially yeah. people who lived in the South Suburbs. Yeah, where he was all the time. Yes, yep. I, and I heard multiple stories about either some you know some of our classmates mentioned R. Kelly had approached them or their friends or cousins or sisters with people that were intimately acquainted with. Others were just like, yeah, we know what he's on. You know what I'm saying? Like we like every, we all knew. We all we all know this. And this is, you know, when the, the you know the urination video came out. You know, right. so but you know, in the years that passed, you know, it, it's 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 terrible to say, but it's very easy to kind of like, oh, you know about this, but like mm-hmm. separate the art from the artist, right? And again, I was on I was on some R. Kelly is trash. I wasn't buying his music. But if I'm at a wedding and step in the name of love, come on, I'm like, I'm, I'm on the floor and I ain't thinking about it. I, and I don't you know what I mean? that, right. I mean it's but, one of those things where I will tell you what I what I've learned, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite quotes by James Baldwin, right? Mm-hmm. To be to be woke, right? Is to be yeah. in a constant state, to, to be black and to be socially conscious and woke. I know I'm kind of like paraphrasing it, right? So okay. it's no, a no, state no. of rage all the time, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so there is is some way that you have to like strike this delicate balance between it all. Right. So for me, like that those are the ways that I have found myself starting to resist, right? Even if it even if it's in some small way. If I'm at a wedding and it comes on, I'm like, nope, I'm good. No, nope, I'm see, good. And see, this thing is is that's what well, that's what put it over the top because you know was, uh, originally it was you know the Dave Chappelle joke when he was like yo you know we all knew it was him but you know he dropped that chocolate factory and you know and it was cold but now it's right it's so it's true but what happens now and and this is where I would say the documentary is informative now granted it's hearsay but when they're talking about some of these songs that he wrote and again I only got to the first two they're like yo he wrote. You know, this song he wrote You Are Not Alone for Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And this girl is talking about how she was, you know, 16 and was basically locked up in the house. I think she might have been 17 at the time and caught a mono from the man. And that mono turned into something else. She was laid up in the hospital, um, paralyzed for two weeks, you know, from like the neck down for two weeks. And he wasn't nowhere around. He didn't show up. He cut her mom a check for a thousand dollars and that was it. After mm-hmm. she had a miscarriage from him and was paralyzed and then he he's gonna go right you are not alone for michael jackson supposedly for her or about her and so now when i now i can't hear the music without thinking to myself like okay what is this about so now i can't i can't detach it now yes and, and i agree with you despite the fact that it may be perceived as hearsay I believe every single word of it. Right. Look, because I, I, I was, I've been saying for years, like, yo, y'all, this man lost me. As soon, I mean, I didn't think about it at the time when I was young, but as soon as I got old enough to realize, like, 
yo, this man married Aaliyah at 14, 15, and then wrote an album called Age of Nothing Up, AJ Number the Number. Right. And he's and he's twenty-seven. Yeah, and we let this ride like twelve years her senior. Twelve years her senior, yeah. It wrote AJ nothing but a number. And I'm like, and then you look back at all these old Aaliyah videos, and it's Mm -hmm. like, yo, she real like sexual. And she, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, 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 no, no, I gotta, I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't and do I it. And it, it raises the, you know, it raises the question around what your responsibility is as an ally, right? right. I know you don't, so you don't have any girls, right? You have all boys, right? I am. I got all boys. I, I do got goddaughters, though. No, but I, but I do. I, I got all boys here. Right? Not only do you have goddaughters, but you have a wife. You have a mother. Mm-hmm. Assuming you have to meet this life. You start yeah. to think about like what if that were them? Right. What if that were them? And, and and again, I think that we are in this space, um, in this world where for whatever reason people need things to happen to them personally before they are impacted by it. And I'm lobbying for don't wait right. and, don't wait until something happens. Don't wait mm-hmm. and see. Just be proactive about it, right? Like this this is stuff that's been out there for years. And there's so many people who can say, you know, I'm from the shy, so I know when. Or I, every, I feel like everybody, luckily for me, I don't have an R. Kelly story, but I feel like there's enough people around me who have an R. Kelly story for right. you to say, you know what? This ain't right. You know, I mean, to me, it's no different than, I mean, I have not, I, I know, and I know it's hard for, for the brothers who will be on this call, and it might be a little hard for you guys, but I have not, um, I have been completely disengaged from the NFL well before Cap. I mean, Cap definitely mm-hmm. sent it over the top for me, but I've been disengaged from the NFL since the whole Ray Rice situation because this is the thing. Mm-hmm. They don't care about me. Mm-hmm. But the way that they responded to the Ray Rice situation and the way that they continue to respond to these football players who are in domestic situations mm-hmm. lets me know that they don't value me as a female viewer because mm-hmm. if they did, they would be doing, they would be taking their responsibility as an employer and as somebody who... Um, carries right with great power comes great responsibility. You have a platform. And so what, pray tell, are you telling women in this country about how it is that you go about driving towards profit? So because he can throw a ball or run really fast or catch really well, then he gets to beat me and it be on camera and you knew about it and ain't nobody doing anything about it. I can't. I can't. A lot of people forget Ben Ben Roethlisberger was accused of rape. Oh, I don't forget. I never got to bring him That was really expedient. It is multiple times. Yes, and became a family man. And whew, nobody, no, I remember all of the things. All the receipts, all the men's group receipts. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. You know, it's, it's okay for you to say, you know what? I'm not going to support that anymore. And if you think it's not going to make a difference, you, you just watch. You know, I know the, the NFL hasn't talked about it all that much i do i do think that their challenge in landing someone to perform at super bowl i know people have since been confirmed but i think that their challenge in landing somebody to perform the super bowl halftime show when's the last time you heard of an an artist turning that down it's because people are sick and tired being sick and tired and you don't have to do everything for the coin all the time you can you can do you can choose you can opt out of doing things out of a moral obligation and a social responsibility to society like that's okay. You don't need anybody's permission for that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, it's really unfortunate what, what happened with Bill Cosby. And it's not unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the women who were impacted by mm-hmm. his predatory yeah. behavior. 
So as much as watching the Cosby show with my family used to be one of my favorite pastimes before the Netflix and chill era, I can't do it anymore because I, then I know in turn what I'm supporting. So I'm just like asking people as we grow, as we grow up and when we, you know, are in tune with things, right? As the old saying says, when you know better, do better. Like it's not enough for people to just be like, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, no, it is though. And, and, and that's that's a big thing right there because I know from a lot of these conversations, you know, it's like, man, you know, there's so much negativity going or there's so many evil people and evil things out, out there in the world. And it's like, well, ultimately, like, what, you know, we can't do anything. We can't watch anything or whatever. But I think there's a difference between, you know, you going out and doing research and, you know, let me go through every, like, NFL roster and see, you know, if any of these dudes have been accused of anything. Or let me, you know, let me – go through all the credits in every movie to see if anybody got the accusations or whatever. But when it's put in your face, and like the other thing, when it's put in your face and it's in your mind, now you can't separate the two. And I was like, yeah, you got, you got a choice to make at that point, you know? And, you know, at that point, you know, we got to do, you know, what our conscious, <laughs> what our conscious says. And, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. Um, it's a frustrating thing when, you know, there's art or different things that you grow up loving or caring about and it becomes tainted, you know, and, it, and you learn, you know, like my man, Bill Withers, I say my man, I shouldn't even say my man, Bill Withers. I found out Bill Withers was beating the mess out of his wife. You know, and I'm like, I can't listen to Bill Withers sing lovely day anymore. You know, like, right. Right. like, cause it wasn't a lovely day for your wife, you know? Right. <laughs> like, so I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You know, so it's, it's, it's very frustrating, but, you know, I guess part of, like you said, um, making Man, a difference. My mind. I didn't know that about Bill Withers. Isn't yeah, I apologize. Just the two of us, too, right? Yep. Oh, yep. Well, there, well, there goes that song for me, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's tough, but, but, you know, back back to you know, uh, what you were saying about R. Kelly, you know, the the thing is, we, we talk about as a community and, you know, as, you know, as a black community, just as people as a whole, it's like if you're going to be doing this, if you are going to be praying and attacking, you know, these young women, just at young women in general, right, white, black, whatever, but particularly, you know, these young women from, uh, you know, Chicago, from the South Side, from different areas, you know, that, you know, people I would consider are young women, right? You're going to be praying on them. I, we can't We can't love you. Like you're killing us. It's like it's like showing love to the neighborhood drug dealer. You know, yeah, like you you, you get you you help and keep our people strung out. Now maybe they be strung out without you, but you ain't doing nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how, we can't lo- we can't love you and support you. We can't let you live. We can't let you just keep doing this because you're at, you're actively harming and and, and and disturbing our community. You know, it's not even like R. Kelly is. Come, it's not like his whole catalog is. I believe I can fly inspirational music. It's like man, it's so sad. You making music that ain't doing nothing positive for nobody other than getting babies made that don't need to be made anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so on top of that, then you you damaging our other babies too? Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, you got to go, you know? And so the mute R. Kelly thing, when it first popped up, I was kind of like, like, I, I ain't rocking with him, but I don't know if I'm out here, you know, hashtagging for him. You know what I'm saying? Hashtagging against him. But it's like, yeah, the more I think, it's like, yeah, look, man, it's like, you got to go. Like, when you say who's standing up, you know, or what? It takes a village to uh, to uh, allow a predator to continue praying. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't be that village anymore. You know. Well, and I would even say to, I don't. I hate to drive the conversation 
another direction, but I think like there's an overall no culture. Lesson. We'll see how far it goes, but there's an yeah. overall culture uh, that's violent against women, right? So you see, yeah. um, like you, you guys both saw the Gillette ad that came out today, right? Where are we going here? Okay. I, yeah. I don't want to go too far in it. See, mm-hmm. No, no, tell me because I, I head down in meetings all day. Give me like oh, the. So it's amazing. You have to watch it. It's an amazing commercial. And it's basically like, you know, you know how they're saying is the best a man can get. Um, they're like, right. They're like, we want to be better. So they're trying to go against this boys will be boys and the, you know, objectifying women and violence being connected with manlyhood and all those things. And they do it in the commercial, but there's been a ton of backlash of people like this is a terrible commercial. You have to watch it. Right. Yeah. It's tripping. It's like, how could it be a terrible commercial to promote just treating human beings like human beings instead Correct. of objectifying women and, and promoting, promoting if we're being honest promoting consent right exactly yeah so it's and it's an amazing commercial but people yeah. are backlashing it and saying oh this is against manhood like if manhood has become objectifying women and violence right. then right. that's not i'm not i'm not down for it let's i'll right. be something else if we if that's what it's got to be like right. this doesn't right. make sense to me the backlash and you are the real MVP today, Will, of this, oh, of this whole discussion. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. No, now I feel like I have to go and look that up, but I think you raised such a good point. And then again, right, like, you know, not trying to get on a, 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 a Trump bashing train, but I, I do believe that what we have allowed ourselves to become desensitized to, right, we have a man who was recorded and who's known to be somebody who's very gregarious and who talks about, you know, grabbing women by their private parts, you know, to get them to to engage with him. And just, so just completely inappropriate, completely inappropriate. And so if that's coming from, for lack of a better word, the free leader of the world, then a lot of people have low standards, right? A lot of people have low standards about what they'll allow, about what is acceptable. And so it does, it, does very much go to the heart of men, guys like like you and Kellen or other people who will courageously speak up and say, hey, this isn't that. Because what people don't realize is that yes, those that are, that are being oppressed, they do start movements and they can be the change makers, but who can easily be the change makers, again, is this whole component around allyship, is being the one to raise your hand as a man and say, you know what? That type of behavior is not okay. This whole nomenclature around boys will be boys, that's yeah. not okay, right? right? I mean, oh my gosh, so many instances. This, you know, makes me think of um, specifically Brock Turner, right? When you think about Brock Turner, the Stanford swimmer who, yeah. who admitted, right? He, he, he raped this girl. He raped this girl under the influence and he got a slap on the wrist. I think that there are certainly not just racial um, and, and gender connotations that are associated with it, but also to socioeconomic stuff. Like, but it's so problematic, right? It's so problematic. And the fact that we don't beat out um, justice and, and the level of fairness the same way we do, um, you know, if, if it were somebody who were poor or mm-hmm. listen, or you think about Brett Kavanaugh and that's putting people in positions of power who believe that this type of behavior is okay and it's not. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and what you said there about the boys, boys thing and, and, and all of this, because I got so many thoughts on on that whole yeah. Gillette thing. Um, and we might talk about safe, something safe later. <laughs> but I mean, but what's always interesting to me is just the, the difference 
in in the experience because I see stuff like you know when they talk about boys with boys when people are referring to things like um, you mentioned uh, well, I just forgot his name we just said on the Stanford swimmer and other things but they're talking about talking about like sexual assault right I'm like yo when I heard boys will be boys it was about like you know boys you know out front playing football and you know getting into arguments oh, yeah, or yeah right. or wrestling yeah. right because I got boys so when we talk about boys we boys it's like yeah my son he's playing with his friend and they like to wrestle all the time like that's what they do and every once in a while they get a little they get a little irritated with each other and they're like he pushed me he pushed me then they get mad and then they, get, they shake hands and then they keep moving just like oh yeah this is boys being boys right mm-hmm. but then so then like because part of it is uh in that Gillette commercial they use terms like boys be boys and I'm always thinking, like, yo, in my in my life, my where I grew up and the people I was around, we didn't use boys will be boys to talk about grabbing women inappropriately or or you know being be, being a harasser or you know bullying and, and fighting people. You know, like that wasn't boys will be boys. It was just being a little bit rambunctious, being a little aggressive with each other. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I think. You know, like with again with the Gillette commercial, Jeanette, Gillette commercial. Um, the whole thing is, is interesting because it's a long commercial and there's right. multiple kind of vignettes and different things going on. And the vast majority of them, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. There's a couple of them that I'm like, eh, 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 eh. Now, it's like we're almost starting to equate all anything, not everybody, but anything uh, quote unquote masculine into this one pool and say hey we need to cut that out and i'm like we need to cut out a lot of it we need to cut out some of it some of it is like not really an issue other than if we just have an issue of masculinity in general even what i don't know what people would consider non-toxic masculinity so it's a very it's a long list you know yeah we don't have to we don't have to chop deep into that right now i was feeling the ad so i'm We'll, we'll chop that up. No, nah, and, I, and I, was, I was feeling the the general vibe of the ad, and you know, you know, supposedly men saying, "Hey, men, let's do better," right? Mm-hmm. I'm also very um, pessimistic, as you know by nature, will, um, <laughs> and saying, you know, the, you know, clearly the marketing department, you know, was, had their hand in this, just like I am with everything else. Like even when Nike dropped that Kaepernick commercial, I'm like, hey, you know, your marketing team was, you know, being very creative right now, you know. So I'm always. <laughs> On that you side, know, I'm all Air Force Ones now. I got all my Adidas out and they're gone now. I got all Air Force Ones after that commercial. So, you saying you didn't burn your I Nikes? Fought. Oh, no, no. I thought, <laughs> I'm with it, man. I'm with it. I bought stock right after it came out. I did everything, man. I'm with it. But, they got you good. They got right, me good. Hey. So, whatever they wanted, they got it. But, <laughs> but I get it. I get it, right? It's a, you know, it's a tale of two, you know, it's a tale of two tales, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, but, but gotta give them props though for you know being the, when you talk about a major a major brand that will stand behind um, somebody who really is trying to change uh, the world um, you know through one courageous act at a time like it's it's just it's true yeah that's true. true well so we've uh we've gone over time but the listeners are gonna enjoy this one they're gonna ride with it you better to the end um Sharon, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a real joy. We gotta I'm glad we gotta talk about lots of other stuff and get your wisdom on on everything. Um Yeah. And I just, you know, I don't know when um, you know, if you guys ever have people on. I always think it's important to tell people, thank you for what you do. You know, I, I think that people, you know, don't realize like it's not easy to get on and like espouse your thoughts, but also to open yourself up and be very vulnerable to those internet trolls. 
actually because yeah. they are real. Um, we educate them too. Yeah. yeah, yes, but I just I love um, Kellen's resolve on social media. <laughs> Kellen is just like, look, this is how I feel about this, and I'm really not here to go back and forth with you. Boom, this is just how I feel about it. I wrote something. Here it goes. So <laughs> thank so you for, for, for using your platform to amplify not just Sandy's story, but like stories about other real, you know, current events, issues that are going on because despite the very real serious nature that I think we are in as a country, um, the lightheartedness of the show, but still the informative uh, piece of it is very, very, um, you know, it's uh, it's inspiring. It gives people something to look forward to. So thank you guys for having me on. I do appreciate it. Hey. Uh, no, thank you. We, we're certainly glad to have you. And, you know, you have made this show much, much smarter, much more intelligent, and much more uh, nuanced uh, just in, in, in your presence here. So we appreciate it. Um, you know, boosting us up uh, here, you know, rising tide lifts all boats and everything. So, um, do want to encourage the people definitely check out uh, the documentary and please do so through official uh, means, <laughs> you know, what I mean? so that so we can, you know, show these folks that you know people are, are interested, people want to see this, and uh, you know, bootlegging don't really help that or torrenting or whatever it is y'all happen to do. Um, so people often ask too, um, they always want to know, like, how can I keep up, um, not just with the story, um, because of course, you know, the documentary is a lasting, um, you know, legacy and in, in the part of us, the mini, uh, Sandy's legacy, but you can actually follow the documentary film. So through a couple of different avenues, mm-hmm. we have an official, uh, fan page on Facebook for those of you who right. don't understand how to tell if a page is official, if it's got a little blue check mark by it, that means it's verified which means that that's the entity that you're actually engaging with. So we do have a Facebook page called Say Her Name, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland. And the project team does try to get back to those who, um, you know, decide to follow the page. They try to post updates there. And then also, too, um, we'll respond to messages when they are able. So there's that. And then um, on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Say Her Name Film and we try to post updates as, as um, we try to post, up, up, post updates there as well. And one of the things I do want to call out about the documentary is it's currently cycled off of HBO as we're getting into, you know, a new round of shows and things like that. But it's our sincere hope that it will come back to HBO. Probably look for it in the February timeframe. It'll be Black History Month. That's also Sandy's birthday month. Um, so we're hoping to get it cycled back up at that time. And that is following um, our pages on social media will be key because we'll put that information out there on the platform. Okay. And that should be on like HBO Go or, or any of those things, right? Like um, Prime through yeah, HBO. So yeah. the way that I, so the way that I understand it is even if it's on HBO Go, which is the HBO like on demand platform, mm-hmm. they do take it off for a little while. So I okay. think you have now, the only way you'd be able to access it at this point is if you recorded it before, before it went off. Okay. Um, but but I do believe that it'll cycle back up for sure. Okay. Well, look, even if you was bootlegging it, you need to put a reminder on the TV for when it does come on. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I don't care if you take a nap, but, you know, put it on, you know, whatever. So so Nielsen or, or whoever it is that's, that's doing those ratings and, and recording yeah. stuff. And also, know. too, I always tell people after, you know, watch it, tweet your reactions about it. Tweet it, you know, tweet us at Say Her Name Film and use the hashtag Say Her Name Sandra Bland. You can also 
go on our Facebook page and leave um, recommendations about it and to just, you know, talk about how you felt about the film. There's also an extremely helpful um, FB Live Q&A that I did after the film premiered. Um, I think it's about an hour. Um, and essentially what I did was I answered a lot of questions that people had. And so I plan on cycling that back up. Um, for people, because I think that's really helpful to answer some of the, a lot of the unanswered questions that people will have after the documentary. Nice. Oh, and you did that on the uh, uh, Say Her Name film on your personal Facebook? On the on the Say Her Name film okay. page. Just okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, check that out. Look, we'll get those, um, uh, those uh, uh, page names and, and, and uh, IG and Twitter names on the, uh, in the footnotes. What we will. Yep, show notes. I got you, bro. Yeah, better. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, look, uh, guys, we appreciate um, you you listening here, sharing. Once again, we, we thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, while we're listeners, uh, thank you all for, for, for being with us today, checking this out. Uh, please continue to listen, uh, download, subscribe, rate, comment, all the things y'all, y'all normally do. Or if you haven't done it, shame on you. Do it again. Actually, I'm not going to say shame on you. I thank you for being here. Don't let me leave you on a negative note. Please, if you find it within your heart to do so, go ahead and do so. Um, you can always check us out on Twitters and all that. Will, I'll let you drop the, uh, the names because I tend to forget. Yeah, Kellen's terrible Twitter. But you can check out the network, Kingdom X Dreams. That's the Kingdom Dreaming Network. Check me out, William R. Horn, the government name. Mm-hmm. And check out Kellen, all boy, underscore K, underscore R. Get his followers up. Show him some love. Yo, I'm going to get my tweets over 100 this month. I swear. He's getting there, man. He's getting there. Um, Sharon, you got anywhere else? I get you just those things you gave already? Or you got a no, that's, um, you know, I just want people to remember that um, the power that lies within you is greater than you believe. And so if mm. there are things that you're really passionate about, utilize your voice to speak up about those things and just be a part of social change, right? There's a difference between yeah. complaining about a thing and doing something. So if you take away from this conversation or even Sandy Speaks videos, it's to find a way to do something about the things that um, you feel like folks are taking an action on. Mm. Perfect way to end it. Perfect way to end it. It's been another episode of Wild Wild World. So we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace. This has been another episode of the Wild Wild World podcast. Make sure you support us, kingdomdreamer.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Kingdom X Dreams. Show some love, subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you next.